0: Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. This is Anne. I have Jennifer on today's episode. She is a member of our community and she follows us on social media. We have accounts on Instagram at Betrayal Trauma Recovery. We're on Facebook. You can see our page. If you search for Betrayal Trauma Recovery, we're on Twitter at Betrayal Trauma. You can follow us on Pinterest. So she has been watching a lot of these things on social media and she contacted me and said, you know what? I'm seeing a lot of misogynistic language here that is common that's like floating around that women are believing that is keeping them stuck in the trauma and she wanted to come talk about some of the things she's seen on social media some of the things she's heard in her own life some of the things she's observed from perhaps like youtube videos that are sort of self-help things or other situations like that before i get to my conversation if this podcast is helpful to you will you please rate it on apple Podcasts or your other podcasting apps Every single one of your ratings and reviews helps women who are isolated find us. I just so appreciate the five-star reviews that we receive. So to help other women get out of the chaos and pain, will you take a minute and go write a review on Apple Podcasts or the podcasting app that you use? We just want to make sure that everybody who wants to can find it. We have added some new sessions to the Betrayal Trauma Recovery group schedule. We've also shifted it around a little. So make sure that you check that out Go to btr.org to check out the session schedule. These are live group sessions. You can hop on multiple times a day in every single time zone. You don't have to schedule an appointment. You don't have to leave your house. You can do it in your closet. You don't have to get childcare. It is the most accessible, least expensive way to get professional support for women who are being emotionally abused or psychologically abused or dealing with sexual coercion in the form of their husband's pornography use. Go to btr.org, and we hope to see you in a session today. All right, now to this week's conversation. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. What made you think, hey, I had to contact Anne. I really want to talk about the misogynistic things I'm seeing on social media.
1: I think it started when I actually had a friend kind of point it out or just acknowledge it, and I had never noticed it before because it was just so normal. I had heard these phrases or words terminology used quite often and so I never stopped to think about how just the way words were used or how we talked about women in our everyday language was actually very damaging to women and so I just thought it would make a good conversation because maybe there are other people who haven't realized that yet also.
0: I think it's interesting that it's not just men that use this type of language. It's women too.
1: Right. I mean, I still catch myself using terms or phrases or just making assumptions about other women and I'm catching myself and trying to shift how I speak. Can you state the specific example that brought this to
0: your attention on Facebook?
1: there were a couple one of them was hell hath no fury like that of a scorned woman or a woman scorned and then the one that was really personal to me was happy wife happy life because that one I was actually shared the night before my wedding at the rehearsal dinner my then father-in-law gave a toast and he shared His advice to each of us, my then husband and myself, and he had given me some advice. And to my then husband, the only thing that he had to share was happy wife, happy life. And that was it. And I, at the time, kind of laughed, Norman kind of laughed, and I never stopped to think that that just seemed off. It just kind of felt like it gave throughout our. Marriage, I felt like my husband had that mindset, but it wasn't in a genuine, authentic way of I want to live in a way that we can both be happy and be comfortable and be safe. But it was like, if I can just fake it so that you aren't annoyed with me or upset with me or hurt by me, if I can just put on this facade and you are happy enough, then whatever I can get away with, as long as you're happy, is okay. And so I think just that mindset, I just I've started to process that, like the mindset that he grew up with and that other men have in their minds of if we can just keep women placated and we can just, you know, hide these things that we're doing, then it's okay to do them.
0: Mm, Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Let's go back to hell hath no fury like a woman scorned for a minute. Is that Shakespeare?
1: William Congreve, an English playwright and poet, the entire quote reads, Heaven hath no rage like love to hatred turned. No hell hath fury like a woman (sighs) scorned. Let's
0: talk about this. So this is the classic. A woman should not be angry when she's been seriously, seriously injured by her husband. It's not appropriate for her to be super mad about it. It's not super appropriate for her to be really sad about it. The appropriate thing is for her to be understanding and forgiving. Basically, or something like that. Because any, like, I'm very angry. You got to get out of my house, which is an appropriate reaction. It would be weird. (laughs) I keep thinking people who would like to perpetuate these misogynistic themes about women People who expect women to not actually be human.
1: Right. There's no room for women to be human, right?
0: Yeah. You would have to be some kind of weird robot to not be very upset and angry when you find out you've been lied to. I mean, you think about a man when he finds out he's been lied to by a business partner, how mad he would be and how appropriate everybody would think that situation was. And a wife is way more important and way more intimate than a business partner. So why is it that she can't get angry and be angry?
1: Right. I'm just thinking of the context that this phrase is often used used in. And I think maybe it's used in many different ways. I hear it a lot of times almost used sarcastically or to provoke humor. You know, it's like kind of used maybe facetiously or in a way that kind of mocks women as in it implies that women are emotional and that's a bit not acceptable or appropriate kind of like you were saying before but I just think it's almost like their pain or their anger is mocked you know or our as women or just in general like emotion that women feel is comical in some way so I kind of hear, hear it used
0: I agree. It's that it's overreacting, that it's nonsensical, that it should be different. You know what's interesting about it? It is their expectation of women being robots that is the nonsensical thing. Correct. Yes. That is nonsensical. That is what should be mocked. Like, oh, so you think women should just smile and... Sit still and look pretty. Okay, so in your thinking about this, did you come up with some other things that you've seen?
1: I did. I started to just make a list of things that came to mind, and I just jotted a few of them down, and I'll just read them off. Boys will be boys. Wear the pants in the relationship. I think that one's often used when people are talking about a woman who has a strong personality or who just has opinions and speaks them and is not quiet all the time. I've heard that used, like, oh, she wears the pants in the relationship. She's crazy. You're too intense, too loud, too bossy. Women are impossible to understand. If mama ain't happy, no one is. (laughs) Heard that one. Those were just a few. Oh, and then this one, and this is just kind of a general observation, but I've noticed that when we as women want or even demand accountability and respect, I think we often get the label that we're man-haters or that we're bitter women when in all reality, we're just asking that men take accountability for their, their actions and that we are treated with respect.
0: Yeah, it's not that much to ask.
1: To say that a woman
0: expects respect and fidelity in her marriage and to not be lied to and manipulated and abused. That's a pretty low bar.
1: It is. And it's really common. I mean, if you think about how often people mock have you even seen on the BTR post people mocking the idea of fidelity or expecting a husband to not use pornography that is so often just people almost think it's a joke. Like, wait, you're asking your husband to not use porn like who do you think you are or you know all men do this you know just you would think it would be really basic but it's not
0: gonna take a little break here to talk about trauma mama husband drama which is the picture book for adults that I wrote that It's beautifully illustrated. It's amazing. I really appreciate those of you who have rated it on Amazon. Every single rating helps women who are searching for things on Amazon find the BTR podcast. So even if they find the book, they don't have to buy it. At least they can find the podcast from there because a lot of people are searching on Amazon. Go to our books page, btr.org backslash books. You'll see that link. It just goes to Amazon. Like I said before, also, we have a curated list of books there that we recommend everybody read. So go to our website, btr.org backslash books and check that out today. Okay. Now back to our conversation back in the day before I married when I was single, but I was in my late twenties. I remember my mom saying, what do you expect? you have these super high expectations. What do you want from a man? And I remember saying, well, it's pretty simple. I just want someone who I want to call. And when they call me, I'm happy that they called. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not that complex, mom. This was before I understood uh, sex addiction or abuse or anything like that. But I feel like the same thing about this, like men are trying to say that women's reasonable expectations and some women are trying to say it too, that women's just reasonable, normal expectations are
1: too much. Right. We've really lowered the bar. I feel like the bar for how women are treated has been lowered in so many ways.
0: Yeah. To the point where it's like, you can't expect them to be faithful. You can't expect them to tell the truth unless apparently you're perfect. You have to be a Stepford Wife robot in order to merit a man to completely tell the truth to you, to be faithful to you, to, you know, all of these things. Otherwise, if you do or say anything that someone could construe as not quite the right thing, then you could get blamed for this.
1: Right. It's like it gives the man permission to act out in abusive ways if you're not that robot.
0: I think the most common is my crazy ex. I would say that when men say, yeah, she was controlling, she was crazy. She just asked me a ton of questions. She wouldn't leave me alone, you know, stuff like that. That seems like a very red flag for an abuser. And in fact, Blundy Bancroft says in his book that anytime a man claims that he was abused, it is a red flag that he was an abuser himself or that he is an abuser himself. Why do you think
1: that is? Well, abusers in their very nature are always trying to put on a show, on a face for other people. They always want to be perceived as the, the victim, and they're really good at manipulating the situation to, you know, deny, attack, reverse the victim and the offender. So they use, use truth and they twist it. They turn it against the victim in order to confuse the victim. They try to put the victim and the offender on the same even. Playing ground I feel like they do that to try to minimize their abuse towards the victim and, and then create this illusion that the reaction that the victim is experiencing from the abuse is actually abuse when it's not.
0: Right. If a woman is very concerned and worried and she's just found out that her husband is using porn and she's wondering if he is having an affair, Her motivation is safety, peace, and truth. So if she's trying to look and see what he's got going on on his phone, it's because she's desperate for safety. She's desperate for truth. Whereas if an abuser is going through his victim's phone, he is looking for ways to manipulate her or harm her.
1: Yeah, so you described it exactly how it is. In my marriage, I used to do lots of those safety seeking behaviors, like looking through his phone or trying to drill him with questions or monitor his behavior, all those kind of, you know, what would be labeled as controlling behaviors. And they were, they were, you know, why are you so controlling? I got that a lot. But the reality was, I was doing those things in order to try to create safety for myself to exist in a safe way. It was not my intent was not to gain power over anyone. It was just to to feel comfortable and safe in my own home, whereas my husband's behavior, you know, he was using that against me in order to hide his own behaviors and to deceive me.
0: I think this is where a lot of victims of emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion get tripped up because they might watch like a popular narcissist YouTube channel, for example, and in that YouTube channel, somebody might say, "Okay, here's seven things that narcissists do." And as you're listening to them, you might think, oh, "I've done that. I have tried to isolate my abuser from his flying monkey family because every time we get around his family, I end up more abused because they end up believing him and they end up putting me down and they end up doing these things." And so, am I the narcissist or am I the abuser? in one popular narcissist video that I recently saw, the YouTuber was suggesting that a narcissist can never answer this question. Why is it so difficult for you to admit your flaws? And supposedly if you ask a narcissist this question and they can't answer it, then it's proof that they're a narcissist and that might be the case. But in an abuse situation, If an abuser asks his victim, why is it so hard for you to admit your flaws? Then he's gaslighting her, trying to make her think that it's her fault that she's got flaws. Like, yeah, so what? I looked at porn, but why is it so hard for you to admit your flaws, right? That would be a question an abuser would ask a victim in order to trip her up. And a lot of these YouTube channels on narcissists or other things, if you don't interpret what they're saying correctly, then you might think, well, am I the narcissist? Cause I don't think I would answer that question because he's asked me that. And I'm like, uh, uh, what are you talking about? Like you just cheated on me and you just lied to me for 20 years. And now you're asking me what my flaws are, excuse me. And in that moment, a victim shouldn't play into that. A victim should not say, oh, you're right. You're right. I didn't do the dishes. And so I deserve to be lied to like, no, no. No, no, no. Jennifer wrote down a few more questions from those types of YouTube channels.
1: Yeah, this one really stood out to me. Why do my differences threaten you? And I think that that, maybe it's not worded just like that, but I think that general sentiment is used quite often. Like, why do my hobbies, you know, maybe like porn or these inappropriate games or books or whatever it may be, comics, video games, Like, why do my hobbies or why do the things I like to do, why do they threaten you? Why do you feel threatened by me looking at this photo? I think that one's really misused against victims quite often.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you have watched some of these, I'd say, popular narcissist videos on YouTube and you're thinking, am I the narcissist? Take a step back, take a deep breath, think about your intention for safety, peace and truth. The other thing is look at your behaviors. So if your behaviors are in line or they're consistent with known um, abusive tactics. So for example, isolation, right? Look at your own behavior. If you're like, man, I really have been trying to isolate him from his abusive family because I've thought that if I can separate him from his flying monkeys, then maybe we would have a chance, right? Maybe he would stop being abusive to me and things would be okay. The problem with that is trying to control an abuser's environment is never going to bring you safety. The only thing you've done there is that you have now isolated your own self with your abuser in your house. You've separated him perhaps from his flying monkeys that are enabling him or whatever, but now you're still with an abuser. You're not away from him. So I want women to think about like if your desire is for peace, if your desire is for safety, if your desire is for truth, then you're actually going to have to detach and walk away from the harm rather than barricade yourself in with the harm.
1: That's a good point. Another thing that I think it's important to note, if you're looking at these questions or you're hearing these things on these videos and you're reflecting on yourself and asking yourself, am I doing these things? That's probably a sign that you're not a narcissist because narcissists don't have that awareness they don't reflect on themselves they don't internally process you know things that they can do to improve themselves and how they treat other people so I think just the fact alone that you're reflecting or that we can you know be asking ourselves these questions is a sign that we're not a narcissist hopefully Hopefully,
0: right. I did hear a story from a woman in our community who said her husband, who has exhibited serious abusive tendencies, including physical violence, actually went to a therapist and asked the therapist, am I a narcissist, and manipulated the therapist, and the therapist said, the fact that you're here asking this question means that you're not. And then he went back and said, I went to therapy. The therapist said I was not a narcissist and used that to manipulate his victim. So it's so complex and difficult. And the most important thing is standing in your own truth and getting to safety regardless of what other people are saying all around you, which can be really daunting when you know, maybe your clergy, maybe your family, maybe people all around you are like, what is wrong with you? Why are you saying these things or doing these things? Chill out.
1: Yeah, that that's a good point. And it also reminds me of just everything you talk about on the podcast. I think it always comes back to establishing safety. So like establishing safety before you make big decisions, establishing safety before making decisions about progressing in the marriage or not. But also Establishing safety before you assess whether you're a narcissist. Just interesting how it always comes back to safety. I think that's just the take-home message is like safety first. Any
0: other things that you've observed from the community or scripting or things your parents have said or your clergy or people at your church or anything that is misogynistic?
1: When I was pondering about this, I did have a funny scene that came up in my mind from The Office. There's an episode, it's called Women's Appreciation. And so Michael, the boss of The Office, the manager, he's saying all of these things about women when he's clearly made lots of sexist comments and he's unaware. And Angela, one of the employees, says, and when we get mad, you always ask us if we're on our periods. And he says, I know, I have to know whether you're serious or not. It's funny and comical, but it just reflects the reality that women are just not taken seriously in general. Their emotions are not taken seriously. They're expected to suppress them or if they're expressing them, there must be an underlying reason other than them actually being valid, having valid concerns, you know?
0: Right. So you don't have a valid concern. It's not concerning, You're not justified in being angry about your husband using porn. So you must be on your period.
1: Another example that I thought about, and this was just kind of in general and like a professional work environment. So in the industry that I work in, I work with a lot of men as my peers and colleagues. And I noticed that I started to kind of, suppress some of my natural emotions or just the way I express myself or thoughts that I had that maybe weren't in line with what a man would want to hear like I just started to like try to filter myself so that I was acceptable to what men wanted to see or hear because I wanted to be perceived as smart or I wanted to be taken seriously you know because I felt like if I had any type of emotion. I'm a single mom. So I had lots of stress with trying to work a full-time job. And then my son would get sick and I didn't have anyone to help me take care of him. And just if I showed any kind of weakness in that, it's not even a weakness. There I go again. But if I had shown any kind of emotion, then I assumed it would be seen as a weakness by my colleagues. And so I just, I've just noticed that I've just started to shift myself and how I how I interact with other people, how I present myself at work, I wanted to be seen like a man instead of like a woman who can be taken seriously because I felt like ingrained in myself and ingrained in them is this thought that in order to be taken seriously, I must look like a man.
0: Absolutely. It reminds me of the book called How to Be Successful Without Hurting Men's Feelings, Non-Threatening Leadership Strategies for Women by Sarah Cooper. Have you ever heard of
1: that book? I haven't, but I clearly need to read that.
0: I just want to read the Amazon description. In this fast-paced business world, female leaders need to make sure they're not perceived as pushy, aggressive, or competent. (laughs) Sarah Cooper illustrates how women can achieve their dreams, succeed in their careers, and become leaders without harming the fragile male ego. Chapters include, among others, nine non-threatening leadership strategies for women, how to ace your job interview without over-acing it, choose your own adventure do you want to be likable or successful it includes several pages to doodle on while men finish what they're saying i think it's funny each chapter also features an exercise with a set of in-action items designed to challenge women to be less challenging i think it's really cute the reason why we bring this up and the reason why we perhaps get accused of being man haters is not that we hate men or not that we don't appreciate men I would like to share that now that I know what emotional safety looks like, amazing, healthy men have come into my life, excuse me, who I really rely on, who care about me, who treat me with respect, who really respect my opinion and respect me, and they think I'm incredible. And it's been so amazing to be around good men. And I have several of them in my life now and interact with them frequently. And it is a delight. So I actually have more faith now in men than I ever have, which is cool. That being said, the reason why we bring misogyny into this is because when women are trying to get out of an abusive situation... This misogynistic scripting that they hear from perhaps a therapist, even a a female therapist or clergy or friends or family, it keeps them stuck in the abuse and they don't see that it's this fog of misogyny and abuse that is harming them. And it also keeps them from getting to safety. So the reason we have to talk about misogyny is because if they don't start seeing what it is, it will not help them get to safety. Can you talk about how misogyny kept you in
1: your abusive situation? In my marriage, we were really active in our religion and our faith community, and I would just want to have this marriage that I had learned about and had, you know, wanted for so long that was based on equality, and I wanted this positive, happy relationship. But I was getting a lot of messages about a woman being like a helper and being needed to keep her husband from acting out using pornography or other behaviors. And so I felt like I bore some of that responsibility, whether it was in how I maintained our home and how I spoke and interacted with my husband or in my sexuality, like there were so many different ways, which I, I wanted to help him, I wanted to make it better because I thought that that was my job. Like I I felt this part of me felt like I, as a woman, had this duty to prevent this man from going through these behaviors or acting out in certain ways. And on top of that, I was just getting a lot of messages from my in-laws who just kind of casually share these like stories about how, you know, if a woman doesn't keep her man happy, then he's gonna find it somewhere else or go somewhere else. Even though part of me knew that that wasn't true, there was a part of me that really believed that that was true. And so I just continued to try to fix myself so that I could fix our relationship. But in reality, like we've talked about, the most important thing that I needed to do at the time was to get to safety. Because safety allowed me to have the clarity that I needed to see what was actually happening in our situation, which was I was being emotionally abused and manipulated. And once I was at, in a safe place, I could really wait and see what he was going to do, if he was going to make changes or not. And I could have the clarity to make decisions. Whereas when I was in an unsafe situation, I just felt confused and I just felt like we were going in these cycles of turmoil and chaos and it was going nowhere.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the faith community that like pray for your husband, a faithful woman can bring up to pass miracles, you know, so have you prayed? Are you reading your scriptures? Are you filling your home with, with spiritual things? Because if you did that, he wouldn't be acting this way. It's sort of an implication that they make. I did talk to a man whose wife had had several affairs and he went in and told his faith leader this. And then the faith leader did not say, are you having sex with her? Are you Have you lost weight? Like, um, are you being a man of God? <laughs> they didn't ask him any of those questions. They said, oh, that can't happen. Uh, you should probably file for divorce if she continues to have affairs and she won't stop. Isn't that
1: interesting? That is so, like backwards i just it is that see that that is a perfect example though of how the standard that the world has for women as like we have a higher expectation there's a higher expectation for us that we have to carry the weight of a man whereas men are get off so easily yeah like
0: well that can't happen you shouldn't be treated like that you don't deserve that you need to get out like that's how women should be too you don't deserve that you shouldn't be treated that way you need to get to safety.
1: I think it should that should just be the normal. That needs to be the new normal of that women should be expected to be treated with respect. Mind blowing with that, but also
0: that women should be able to speak their mind. They should be able to tell their opinions, they should be able to hold boundaries without people saying they are an abuser
1: or they're the problem too. I mean there's it goes kind of both ways. Absolutely. Have you ever seen that Nike commercial? came out this year. I think it's Serena Williams who's narrating it, and she says, if we show emotion, we're called dramatic. If we want to play against men, we're nuts. And if we dream of equal opportunity, delusional. When we stand for something, we're unhinged. When we're too good, there's something wrong with us. And if we get angry, we're hysterical or irrational or just being crazy. But a woman running a marathon was crazy. A woman boxing was crazy. A woman dunking, crazy. Coaching an NBA team, crazy. A woman competing in a hijab, changing her sport, landing a double cork 1080, or winning 23 grand slams, having a baby, and then coming back for more. Crazy, 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 and crazy. So if they want to call you crazy, fine. Show them what crazy can do. And I just love that quote.
0: I want women to know that like, fine, let everybody call you crazy. You get to safety when you're not being emotionally and psychologically abused, and you're not in this fog, and you can see straight, you can be a lawyer. (laughs) You can be whatever you want or do whatever you want. The world is open to you, and it is an incredible place. And if you genuinely want it to be a stay-at-home mom, there are... Options for you to figure out how you can make a living and work from home or get assistance from your church or from your family so that you can stay at home with your kids when they're young or whatever, whatever it is. There's so many options for you. You are brave, you are strong, and you can do it. You can do it. And God sent you down here with amazing talents, and He wants you to use those talents to improve the world. So, Don't let anybody tell you that the extent of your talents is laundry or whatever, or you have a mission that you were sent down here to this earth to accomplish with the talents that you have. This podcast means so much to so many women. And so if you'd like to support it, go to our website, btr.org, scroll down to the bottom and click on support the podcast. My heart goes out to all of you who are dealing with this very difficult situation I know that it seems impossible and it seems just overwhelming, but there are women who have been through it and they can see the light at the end of the tunnel and we hope that we can get you to that point too. We care and we are here for you. And until next week, stay safe out there.